0: welcome to so what you're saying is I'm Peter Whittle now my guest today I'm very pleased to say is that almost one of our almost one of our regulars uh, Peter Hitchens uh, the columnist and author is with me now thank you very much indeed for coming Peter it was about three months ago we talked about the police yes Um, but the time before that um we were taken off yeah, because we were talking about covid and all of that sort of thing yes we um, mustn't,
1: mustn't do that no
0: no it quite uh, this week we've seen lots of restrictions come off and the whole feeling is of the thing falling apart a bit you know in, in other countries in europe as well and your position as you put it in that particular interview did was quite simply that you thought response to it was disproportionate and that the government hadn't really proved its case for these kind of measures, lockdown and what have you. Um, do you feel now vindicated?
1: No, because I think an awful lot of people still believe that the thing was justified. Uh, the way in which the argument is presented in most cases is, is the way in which it was presented throughout with what seems to me to be uh, a a presentation of the facts, which I would in many cases dispute, which, may, which gives the impression that, that a larger event took place than one that did. It's dangerous even to say that too, because to suggest that it was exaggerated is immediately to be accused of claiming it didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, because there's no subtlety in argument anymore, uh, you're either totally signed up to the official view or if you're a critic of it, you're a denier and a disinformation purveyor and that's where you are so that's all that still persists uh, any kind of criticism of the of the of the proportionality of the reaction isn't treated as such is treated as objection to to, to the whole thing mm-hmm. and almost immediately you're also accused of all kinds of other positions you haven't taken so yeah. people say oh well you must be against vaccination and so forth so it's it, all that still persists if, 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 for instance, it were it were asserted in a couple of weeks' time that a new variant had arrived, which required the shutdown of the country again, then I'd be back very much in a despised minority. So vindicated, not by any means.
0: No, uh, I suppose I was thinking of. I've seemed to notice journalists, at least some other journalists, now at least questioning things that have happened over the past two years. Where. Once upon a time, they wouldn't have done that. I, I, the, the, the general tone of things seems to have changed a bit, I
1: would thought. Well, yeah, that's great, isn't it? I mean, mm. Some
0: months after the fire mm. has been
1: put out, a few people turn up with tin mugs and empty them on top of the embers. Mm. Uh, they, they could have been more use at the time. Mm. But, of course, everybody, uh, well, I say everybody, most people fit in mm. with the spirit of the age, and the spirit of the age is now to say, oh, well, maybe we did go a little bit far. But Fundamentally, when the, when the report is completed on this, I, I carry on predicting this, the report will say we did not lock down soon enough, we did not lock down hard enough, the whole principle of shutting down the country to contain a disease will continue to be accepted as correct.
0: Mm. Do, you, do you find that experience of the past couple of years has altered your opinion of this country in any way? a bit i not
1: not all that much i mean i would noticed particularly during the blair attempts to undermine and dismantle the the liberties of the country that there wasn't anything like as much objection to these things as i had thought instinctively that there would be and, and i felt instinctively for instance, the longer and longer periods of detention without trial, which the Blair government wanted in the name of fighting terrorism, were outrageous. Uh, and I thought that the also the, the getting rid of several of the protections which, which we ought to have against being prosecuted twice for the same for the same alleged crime and the the total right to silence which we used to possess. These things I thought they were, they were taken away with very little fuss, so I wasn't mm. as surprised as I would otherwise have been by the fact that when people were told fundamentally your liberties are gone until we decide to give them back to you, mm. people didn't care much. I was shocked by one thing, I wasn't shocked by the feebleness of the opposition. I knew it was feeble, I wasn't shocked by the feebleness of Parliament, I'm constantly astonished by how the the, the weakness and ignorance of the people who populate that chamber. But I was shocked by the the impossibility of making any kind of legal challenge to what the government had done. The courts would not even hear a case for a judicial review of the government's action. Now I, I just think that's ridiculous. Uh, given what the the, the, the the judicial reviews they've permitted on the European issue, quite rightly, in my view, uh, they they should have done it. But the the courts really did did surprise me by not even being prepared to consider it. Mean, who knows what would have happened if they had, mm. uh, but they didn't, and that that did surprise me.
0: So, when it comes to public people, uh, the liberty aspect of things is you sort of you say people. Didn't Really seem to care very much. No, they so didn't. Do you put that down to the fact that uh, people just simply don't know about these things anymore? Yes. Mm. Uh,
1: David Cameron used to go on about how we should have a British Bill of Rights, and mm. we have one. Mm. We <laughs> have one since 1689. Yeah. Uh, and, and here was a man who'd actually become Prime Minister, been educated at Eton and Oxford, and didn't know we had one.
0: Also didn't know what the Magna Carta meant. He said so. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. It
1: it may have been an elaborate joke, but I'm not sure. Mm. I think you could now come right the way through the education system without
0: knowing these things. Mm.
1: You couldn't when I was
0: growing up, but you can now. I suppose that my my feeling is, uh, it it may be a sentimental one, but it was a feeling that the... uh, I thought British people would have... Bit more truculence about them when it came to having things enforced on mm. them.
1: Yeah, it's it's been the, it, it's gone. I think I'd say mm-hmm. that's what that's what's become apparent. And the other thing is which I'd always noticed, the the ridiculous restrictions which are placed on, on on people who travel by air. You go to the airport, and from the moment you arrive, are treated as if you're being processed uh, for incarceration. Mm. Uh, humiliated, you know, you have your testicles x-rayed and, uh, and you're made to take your clothes off and undo and, and your trousers and all these other nonsensical things, which don't even make sense uh, on yeah. a rational basis. And people just put up with it. And if occasionally, if you're going through this, you let out a minor mutter of protest the chances are that the person standing next to you will say well it's all for your own good would you really rather not mm-hmm. would you really these things were not really here would you like to fly on a plane where these precautions were not taken mm-hmm. and switch so replies actually i wouldn't mind at all because i don't think that these things do any good but it th- I, I realized as this happened that people were not merely prepared to put up with it and didn't see it as outrageous but also that they quite liked it
0: quite liked it so presumably uh quite like wearing masks.
1: Well, there are a lot of people who plainly do, and when, uh, when the restrictions have been off or when they yeah. are taken off, yeah. people continue to wear them in places where they're not required to, yeah. and many people wear them outside.
0: Yes. I've never got that. You know, there are some things that actually cast one down a bit, and, and seeing people, and I see especially young people walking along the street, on their own of the mask, I've, that, that, you know, no one has actually ever asked you even to have It's a
1: proclamation. Yeah. They're saying, because remember, the, 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 the official propaganda for the masks is you're doing it for others. Mm. And what people are doing is saying, I'm doing this for you. Mm. And they're proud of themselves.
0: What, what damage or what changes do you think are going, are going to be permanent? Hard to tell. And we're going through quite
1: a struggle at the moment because we have a government which has, to some extent, recovered its reason. Uh, this is why I think that uh, Johnson is now under attack. I, I'm not a friend of Johnson. I continue to be highly critical of him. And if I'd got hold of these stories about, about parties in Downing Street during the shutdown, I would have publicized them and pointed out that, that they showed clearly that the people in charge of it didn't believe in their own <laughs> propaganda. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but th- th- nobody leaked them then.
0: Yeah.
1: There must have been, the people who, who knew about them, knew about them then, and they didn't leak them then. They're leaking them now to damage Johnson, precisely at the point when actually he's out of step with the rest of the United Kingdom nations, and also out of step with most of Europe, in being more relaxed. Mm. And I think it's relaxation which is causing this. I think it's the enemies of relaxation who are now turning on him.
0: Would they be, uh, no, this is just a hunch, but are those the enemies of relaxation Like. Right? Are they the same sort of people as would be Remainers? Well, I don't know. There's probably an overlap. It seems um, to me there is.
1: But uh, being someone who overlaps within himself as a, as a, as a friend of the Norway mm. option, I'm, mm. it, it doesn't, it's not something which really grabs me. Mm. Uh, plainly, there is, a, there is some congruence, uh, okay. and it's very interesting. And I, I noticed this, and Janice Turner also in The Times mm. the other day did, Mark Drakeford, uh, the the Welsh first minister gave an extraordinary view on BBC a few days ago in which he said that the the, the People of Wales were more collective mm. uh, than, than the people of England and, and more concerned and less concerned with individual freedom than conservatives and what Janice Turner Noted was just the, the considerable venom he put into into saying this. I think it's quite clear That there is among those who are more collective more communitarian more of the traditional left which believes that you hand over your your uh, liberties to the state in return for safety there is a, a profound political division in this country and in wales and scotland i think the it's 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 much more on the collective side and it always has been mm-hmm. in england it's more balanced but i think it's quite clear from from what mr drake has said uh, that we are actually engaged here in a battle between collective authoritarianism and, mm-hmm. and the old-fashioned liberty under the law.
0: Well, that's, uh, I've, I've heard you say, uh, I think the way you put it was that it was proclaiming a, a different worldview, is that oh, right? Yeah, I
1: think absolutely do you mm. think so. But most people don't understand uh, that, that they have worldviews, uh, but they have them. And I think an awful lot of people, to go back to your original question, an awful lot of people who liked the European Union and our membership, I think were the same people who like collectivism and who like a strong state. Mm. A lot of people do. <laughs> it's not this. What's why the referendum was such a, a, a close division, because really, for the first time in many, years, instead of dividing on party lines, which are increasingly meaningless, the country d- divided on lines of real difference about what kind of country and world we should live in
0: also a different attitude to people maybe
1: um, maybe well if you if your attitude to people is that no i the best way of summing it up for me has always been the great saying the secret of good government is to let men alone
0: yeah
1: uh, if you have that view uh, then you're going to be differing on lots of things from the person who believes that he is his brother's keeper
0: yes but isn't it also I thought about, you know, there's a sort of. If you go through your average newspaper now, uh, or even on the media, broadcast media, the word vulnerable comes up time and time again. It's part of our culture, I mean. And it's almost like the emphasis now is on sort of victimhood, um, care, vulnerability, not about sort of somehow strength or.
1: But how does one make make a strong state appealing? You make a strong state appealing by stating that it will protect uh, those who need protecting, that it will come to the aid of the weak, or the vulnerable, as you'd like to say. I no doubt at all that in a more collective society the the, the old individual impulses for, for self-defense or anything like that have gone and also we live in a in a world which in some ways is a good thing that I'm not sure we can sustain it with our current policies in which in which warfare uh, and conquest are now pretty much abjured so the person who uh, we, 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 we claim to admire our military valor but actually we're rather nervous about exercising
0: yes, yes. Yes.
1: We make a lot of fuss about it in the past, but if we actually had to, uh, had to provide it now, uh, we might find that there are few people willing to do it, because we haven't brought people up in the, in the way that they used to be believing in these things. And I'm still amused by the fact that when I was growing up in, in this country after the war, there were actually books about the Second World War for boys and girls called Men of Glory. Yeah. and more Men of Glory. These were <laughs> written by, by Max Hastings, his father, Macdonald Hastings, and then for girls there was a companion volume called Women of Glory. Can you imagine? It sounds yeah. like the Soviet Union, doesn't yes. it? Glory. Yes,
0: it but does. This, is,
1: this was, it seemed perfectly normal at the time, and these were all episodes of uh, usually of martial courage, sometimes of the kind of martial courage where
0: other people are rescued, but often people who
1: just simply fought on long
0: after they should have stopped. Yeah. We have a situation going on at the moment with possible invasion of Ukraine um, and indeed the government is saying things such as that we will always defend freedom and we will go to people's aid and defend freedom but um, for all that bluster the majority of the country seems really utterly indifferent about it.
1: Well I think they possibly are but the, part of the reason for indifference is that there's a profound ignorance of what's going on in Ukraine. I doubt whether most of the politicians who engage in this argument or many of the journalists who do could find Odessa on a map, uh, if you gave them a blank map mm. of the of, of the area or a number of of, of other features it people simply don't know, mm. uh, but that that's a very small part of the of, of the Ukraine
0: yes. uh, controversy. Do you uh, do you think we are on the verge of World War Three? No, no. Why?
1: I, well, p- p- I don't think that Vladimir Putin is a madman. Uh, if he were, start staring mad, then he would invade Ukraine. In fact, he would probably have done so already. Mm. But in the modern world, the only country which can go around invading other people is the United States. Mm-hmm. Nobody else can do it without United Nations sanction, and and he wouldn't get away with it. It would probably bring him down. It would quite possibly destroy Russia. Mm-hmm. And you could win without very much difficulty. I, I thought of a, a, a swift war, I mean, even that might go wrong. You can never tell how wars will go until they happen. But having won it, what do you do next? Mm-hmm. You have to hold what you've captured. Uh, Ukrainians don't want to be ruled by Russia. They've made this perfectly plain. And uh, most intelligent Russians realize this. I can't see what would be in it for Putin to launch something as crude as an invasion. Do you know Ukraine? Well, I've been there. there. I spent, in fact, some years before all this came, I went on a visit to Sevastopol Mm. and to the Donbass, to Donetsk itself, and to a fascinating town called Gorlovka, which is actually twinned with Barnsley. Mm. Uh, and has a cafe Barnsley in Miloit, and to talk to, mainly to Russians living in Ukraine about their problems with doing so because Ukrainian nationalism has been, how shall I put it, not particularly accommodating mm. uh, to Russians in Ukraine, especially recently in terms of language and status. And, and I, I foresaw uh, not very difficult to do trouble. That was the, the last major time I went to Ukraine. Uh, I, I, when I was living in the Soviet Union, one would go down there uh, to uh, Crimea, which was never really Ukrainian, uh, and to Kiev from time to time. But uh, my most recent sustained trip was a few years before the trouble broke out. And I think I can say that I saw something coming, not this, mm. but something. Because the, 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 Ukraine is a. Is a it, it, it's been created out of a former Soviet Republic. Mm-hmm. Uh, its borders are completely not ideal for a nation state, and not least because they contain, say, quite large Russian minorities. They were, de- they were not designed for an independent country. And the only way it could work, and I think that, that the sensible intelligent diplomacy which has been going on, this is working towards this, would be if Ukraine became a more federal state and gave Russians, particularly in the Donbasin more autonomy. I think Ukraine has lost Crimea for good. I don't think Russia will give it back without a very considerable fight. And I don't think that fight will happen. But I think the the, 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 the Russian-speaking East, which used to sustain the party of the regions, which, which basically kept Ukraine in balance before 2014, uh, really does need some special consideration. And if people wanted peace in that area, the, the, the Minsk II agreement, which was intended to achieve something like that, should be pursued. But everyone seems to have let it die
0: um putin uh has said that he thinks that the west is obsolete uh, and i wonder you know when you look at the past year afghanistan and also all the things that are going on internally in the west um when they do say you know we will defend freedom and we have to act in the situation you sort of can't help feeling but where it do you actually still have the c- will and the capacity to act well, even in, if you in, wanted to? In
1: what way is freedom the issue here? I mean, Ukraine is not exactly uh, a law-governed democracy mm. and technically, I mean, has elections, mm. uh, but uh, journalists can run into trouble. The newspapers and broadcasters can face restriction. I believe that the books, Anthony Beaver's book on Stalingrad, I think, ran into trouble over there. Uh, it's uh, it's seriously corrupt. The former president is currently facing prosecution, uh, having lost the election. Uh, it's, it, this isn't really an issue of freedom versus tyranny that we're yeah. facing here. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a much, much more complicated question, and, and, what it, and the whole zone of Eastern Europe, which is no longer under Soviet domination, has not universally become a paradise of incorruptible freedom, democracy, and the rule of law in the, what, now, um, 30 years since uh, Soviet rule ended. Mm. Uh, there are a lot of problems in that part of the world, which, is, which really make much more sense to address those than to engage in, confront- in, great, in great power confrontations with Russia. Over who controls Ukraine, everybody who knows anything about European strategy knows that Ukraine is pivotal. It has been really since the rise of uh, of Germany. It's and in in modern terms, speaking of Brzezinski, in his book *The Grand Chessboard*, says that the control of Ukraine is crucial. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, it doesn't, control doesn't necessarily mean possession. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does mean having strong influence over it. And if if if, if Russia felt that uh, that Ukraine had actually passed into the NATO alliance, it would be deeply
0: alarmed. Mm. So you 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 actually just don't think there is going to you know there's not an intention even to invade on the part of Russia? Well, I I, I don't know.
1: I mean, if if there is, then the people who have that intention are are unhinged. Mm. It, it, it couldn't conceivably do Russia any good and since Russia controls whether it invades or not, then it, it, if, it, if, it, if as a nation it does something so unhinged and self-damaging, then it could happen. But if it does, then, then it means that Putin isn't just a sinister tyrant and a man who's failed to curb the corruption in his country and certainly failed to establish or maintain a law-governed democracy is also crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think at the moment we have any evidence of that. Mm-hmm. But an invasion of Ukraine would be the evidence. Yeah. But it seems to me to be profoundly unlikely because I see no sign that he is crazy. Do you have many contacts in, with with Russia now? Do you no, have, not no really. I, have, I, I, I haven't even been there for a couple of years now. And mm. I'm, it's it's the, this, the, the Moscow I knew is unrecognisable compared with the Moscow that is now. So no, but I keep in touch. Mm. I'm still interested, and I have this vague knowledge of the geography and the history which enables me to to uh, see a bit beyond the, the sillinesses of what a lot of people write. This has been for many years a debate though in which has been a positive disadvantage to know anything about the subject. Mm-hmm. The less you know the easier it is to pile in. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, I, was wondering because, um, I, I just wonder, we, we haven't had very much coverage during the past couple of years the, during this pandemic of certain parts of the world and what, how they've done and I, I have no a sense, really, of, of how Russia has handled, for example, the past two years. Oh, very badly.
1: Very I heavy-handedly.
0: Heavy. So yeah, uh, but, uh, but it 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 it, went, it it was it
1: was it was among the most repressive. Really? In Initially, yeah. But then again, it reached the stage where, as I was told by by people I knew who were living in Moscow at the time, where a lot of people, unless they could actually be obscene seen by a police officer, uh, stopped paying much attention. But the initial the initial shutdown was pretty draconian. They so didn't. They didn't. They didn't at all stand out from the rest of Europe in this. They they went down the path of panic.
0: If you come back to, uh, to 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 Britain f- for a minute, um, you know again we're waiting as you mentioned earlier this report, uh, the great Sue Gray's report. actually. <laughs> you, know, you mentioned the public inquiry, I believe, Peter. Sorry, we're waiting for this moment. We got to wait for the police now. Yeah, <laughs> it's quiet. The, the uh, Dick uh, inquiry and and well, and uh, you know, in to dig and, Dick and uh, who I think you actually warned against didn 't you quite? years
1: ago yeah I'd, 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 it was um, I, I heard about enough reading stuff written by my my old friend David Rose, who in those days was quite keen on her I, I, I thought this woman is going to be a commissioner i 've got an old cutting somewhere predicting it so long ago that it's yellow, mm. uh, but I also uh, said, before she was appointed, I said that she had, there was evidence that she, was, uh, that, she, that she would be disastrous. I remember writing it and thinking, well, there'd be some fuss about this, because yes. they hadn't actually picked her yet. This is five years ago. now, And being amazed that, that nobody else joined in at all. That there was, although it was, it, her, her record was, to, to, let's be polite, patchy in the extreme. Patchy? Nobody said. <laughs> is, it, is, it wise to, is it wise to appoint this person yes. to the most important policing job in the
0: country? But no,
1: she was duly appointed,
0: as predicted. So now we're having to wait, aren't we, on this report because of. Uh, well, I don't
1: know how it works, honestly, but yes. it seems to me that if you've got two inquiries going, I suppose one is. is you, you have to work out which one, which one is more important than if an organ of the state. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in, to do with law enforcement, with with the capacity to 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 to, to, uh, to take a a case to the Crown Prosecution Service and, and suggest the charges are preferred if such an organ is involved. And then presumably that takes precedence over a civil servant. I don't know; it's a mystery to me.
0: I think uh, you know she she to an extent is you know because she's the first woman and all of that. That was the reason. I remember the London Assembly when I was on it for five years having to scrutinise her and the, and the please, and she was deeply unimpressed. A very nice lady. Oh, perfectly nice, yeah. Perfectly Charming. Nice. You know, uh, no, this
1: isn't this is, this is personal.
0: Yeah, but totally, uh, you know, at a loss, I felt, you know, uh, in in with the statue thing and with the policing of the, you know, the pandemic restrictions. But she, but she distinguished herself very early in her career with mm. with with what what might
1: be very simply called left-wing policing, which mm. of policing which makes compromises with demonstrators, which uh, makes uh, which mm. which is more or less neutral between offender and victim, mm. is, uh, has no. Um, is not driven, as it used to be, by a strong idea of uh, of, of what is and what is not right. Mm. But it's the managing, of, it's, it's the managing of society. I call these people paramilitary social workers, mm. and mm. she is the epitome of paramilitary social workers. Yes, and they are—they have the minds and attitudes of social workers, but they also have big truncheons.
0: Mm.
1: Yes, uh, for some strange reason, baseball caps. Yes, I know. It's just under. a weird symbol of the new police. You know, who yes. would have thought? After all those years of the admired British Bobby and his helmet that we don't have with police forces
0: baseball caps, I know that my admiration. And so they were in Bucharest. Yeah, my admiration is almost totally gone. I'm afraid. Um, you know, I don't even. Well, feel people's admiration
1: should go. I, my 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 view is is now quite straightforward. They should be replaced. Yeah. The we should train a new, proper police forces, yeah. genuinely local, genuinely locally controlled, genuinely genuinely dedicated to the, to the enforcement of. of of law without fear or favour and we should swear in proper constables uh, with a, a, a w- with a proper oath and when we've assembled these new police forces we should close down the other one mm. uh, there is no other future and if you don't do that then you will, this, this is this is just a gigantic failed nationalized industry which is uh, which simply does not fulfil the purpose for which we hired it
0: and um, well when she finally you know Oh, yeah. Well, I, when we get these reports in it, all of a sudden, we're left with the government and we're left with, you know, people then sort of trying to hide themselves and blame and all, all of that. I, I wonder, uh, one, another point where you've been completely consistent uh, over the years is in, in, in the way in which the Tory party, as it stands, is the greatest enemy of conservatism, really, in this country. I, I just wonder that because it is now so, being so reviled by its supporters for having gone so far, seemingly to the left, uh, you know, whether in fact this was possibly a chance that it actually might go or that something else will well, come?
1: It, if it did, it would, it, the, the only people who would, who would win from it would be Sir Keir Starmer's Labour Party and the Scottish Nationalists. And that's the problem that we now face. I don't want to defend these people. I have no time for them at all. Uh, but and for a long time, I've been perfectly happy to say that, that honestly, there's been no real choice between New Labour and the Conservative Party because they were identical in politics. But at this particular moment, where Johnson is being attacked for dismantling some of the of, of the COVID autocracy, uh, then those who are attacking him are my enemies. That doesn't make Johnson my friend. Yeah. Uh, and also there is a grave danger that if, the, if if people continue to what we will get at the next election is Labour, I think, will struggle greatly to get a, a, a majority in Parliament by itself, but you will get the possibility of a pact uh, between Starmer and Sturgeon, right? Yes, and I think that's something which hardly anyone of any sense could possibly desire.
0: But the point is, they always make this, this, this. this Can this they just make a point
1: about this? People say, "Oh well, he'll never do it, and uh, once Scotland goes, he won't have a majority." But the point is that what the, the pact will be two ways, mm. I mean, this has often happened in, in English history, Scotland could intervene on the side of radicalism as it did during the Civil War, and you could have the Scottish Nationalists delivering Keir Starmer a new constitution with, uh, with, with proportional representation for the next parliamentary election, for instance, and the abolition of, of the Second Chamber in return for a promise of a referendum. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the, the possibilities of it are quite frightening if it if it happens. It won't, it won't be a minor change.
0: But don't you think that people have... have it's got to come to the point where, you know, the Tories at every election say, uh, well, you know, okay, if you don't vote for us, you're going to get him, right?
1: Whether it was... But, yeah, but that's so, so unconvincing when, when, when the person you're going to get has been for so many years identical. I mean, well, at quite. one point... I, 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 the, um, I would say that in the contest between David Cameron and Gordon Brown, Gordon Brown was more conservative than David Cameron, certainly Ed Balls was, and certainly Gordon Brown was more hostile to the Euro than David Cameron's ever been.
0: But therefore, you know, shouldn't it be the case that basically people should be advised, well, actually, shouldn't they say, well, actually, OK, not always call their bluff and say, actually, we're not going, sorry, this time we're not voting for you. I mean, would you advise people not to vote? I, for a long time, I urged urge abstention. Mm. Abstention?
1: Yeah, so I think mass abstention is, is, would be the only effective way of contributing to, the only ethical and effective way of contributing to politics in this country. But whether I can continue, and this is, this is the thing which now troubles me, I'm, this is purely a, 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 a defensive thing, not, a, not, not an endorsement. But as at the moment, although I, I dislike Johnson and his government and think them useless, the last thing I want to do now is anything which would help uh, Keir Starmer and, the, and, and Mark Drakeford and Nicholas mm. Sturgeon mm. Uh, regain the levels of shutdown and restriction which they would plainly like. Yes. And of course, the, 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 if, if they get rid of Johnson, that is quite possibly what will follow. The departure of Johnson is a victory for Sturgeon, Starmer and Draper. The,
0: the feeling at the moment is that he's kind of coming out the other side. I have no idea. I can't read it.
1: And it's it's impossible. I don't I do my I have no uh, no means of reading Parliament at the moment at all. I just think the disposition of forces. The reason why I'm taking a position which I find quite uncomfortable at the moment of saying I'm, I'm not I'm not in favour of Johnson, I'm not defending Johnson, no. I'm attacking his attackers, no. which I am. And people should be very, very wary of helping those attackers at the moment.
0: If there were to be, you know, in an imaginary world, there was to be a, a Conservative Party that was actually genuinely Conservative, do you think actually that the nature of Britain has changed to the extent that actually people would still vote for something like that? No. No, I think we've
1: had. I think we live in a post-revolutionary country, and have done for some time. And one of the things which revolutions do is they is they propagate themselves among the young. I think there are a few eccentrics uh, under thirty who might conceivably have some idea of being conservative, but in general, the the radical ideas of the Cultural Revolution have been absorbed and accepted by. No, the vast majority of the population. There is no silent majority of Conservatives. If there ever was, there hasn't been one for, for many years.
0: That's very, that's very interesting to hear, actually, because, you know, uh, I suppose that you could say that uh, with Brexit, for example, was... I know you weren't in fact of the referendum itself, but, but um, 52, 48 or whatever, um, somewheres and anywheres you know which tends to suggest that the somewheres are the silent majority you know they're more likely to be and that therefore they were only they amounted to 52 percent
1: but on an awful lot of issues which would would move me greatly uh, and those people would have been indifferent or, or quite possibly on the left-wing side right, right. I don't think it was actually a, a conservative coalition. It had some conservative characteristics, but an awful lot of the people who voted to leave the European Union were not people who were uh, of the traditional conservative right in any other way. Mm. And it would be a
0: serious self-delusion to imagine that they were. So you think that basically, because we're, as you say, we're now in a uh, post-revolutionary state. So, oh yeah. Um, that in fact. There just isn't the appetite or the desire. There isn't the knowledge. Or the knowledge.
1: People don't know mm. what they've lost.
0: Mm.
1: They don't understand mm. the nature of the, of the regime under which they live.
0: Mm. Mm. You are, when, when we last spoke, you were writing a book about grammar school. I still am. Are <laughs> you still?
1: <laughs> plod, plod, plod. Well, it's been a bit of, interrupted, actually.
0: Speaking of, uh, you know, speaking of, you know, people not knowing, um, I had a grammar school education and, you know, even though I hated school, that's not the point, no, no. it was a good, I can tell no. it was a good school. You learned all this kind of stuff, but you're talking about the 1960s.
1: That's oh, amazingly long ago, isn't it? That's another mm-hmm. thing about it. Mm. But what it did, it did I, had to, I had to divert because I, I finally found what I'd, I'd been seeking for a long time, which is... a a, a really good account of the secondary modern schools. Right. And half of this argument is, watching, well, if you have the ground schools back, you have to have the secondary modern schools back, which is, uh, and everybody says, ooh, we can't have that because they, they, people think secondary modern schools are some kind of do the boys' hall misery uh, establishments. In fact, a lot of this argument is, 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 is obscured by the fact that secondary moderns were, not in all cases, but in many cases, perfectly good schools and their faults didn't come from them being secondary moderns. They came, here's a fascinating thing, but you didn't know this. When the secondary moderns were first set up, they weren't allowed to take part in any examinations. Yeah. For the first 15 years of their existence, they were excluded from, from any major examinations. so there was no public examination to take. Uh, which he would have thought uh, wet left-wing liberals would think was a good idea.
0: Yes.
1: And in fact they did. It's one of the reasons why they accepted it. But it it meant the schools were largely purposeless and shapeless. And when they began later on to be allowed to take examinations, a lot of them did quite well at it.
0: But... uh with grammar schools, uh, that is surely one thing that's not going to come back.
1: Well, possibly not, who knows? I mean, I at I, I, the moment, I think the purpose of explaining what actually happened is to allow people to decide what they might want to do in future. Mm-hmm. I think an awful lot of people are finding the academies a false dawn. Yes,
0: yes. And
1: they, they, they are, first of all, it's almost impossible to find out who really runs them. Uh, the, they, they don't seem to have, there doesn't seem to be any chain of proper ministerial or other public responsibility over them. Yeah. And the, the word academy doesn't really mean anything, does it? It doesn't, yeah. it, can, it can mean a, a badly failing school or it could mean a very successful school. It doesn't actually, it's not actually a transformation. It's just a shift in responsibility. And also it seems to be a shift in scrutiny. Yeah. And the, the private schools which seemed to me to have had a bonanza as a result of the closure of the grammar schools because they were able to pull in the middle class and get to pay quite large sums of money for, for an education which ought to have been free and now no longer was and have done fantastically well in watered-down examinations because any well-organized school can clean up in the GCSE and A-level examinations of, of, of today. Uh, They're now are becoming far too expensive for most middle-class people. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it seems to me perfectly possible that those parents who want a good education for their children and are not oligarchs are going to become increasingly discontented with what they're being offered. Mm-hmm. And to wonder again whether it's possible that selection viability might be the solution. I know mean, it's a remote possibility, but if they at least know what happened mm-hmm. uh, between, uh, really, between 1944 and 1965, then they might. Uh, be able to come up with something. There are still important countries mm. which do this, mm. and Germany being the most important. No one can say Germany is an unsuccessful country or an ill-educated country, or indeed a class-ridden country. On the contrary, nobody says that. But it has, in most of its lander, it has selective secondary schools of the kind which we polished.
0: It, uh, one of the uh, the problems one of the things we get all the time from from viewers and indeed from my own personal experience actually is uh almost regardless of the form of the school uh, they all now have certain things that are taught which basically a lot of people are extremely uncomfortable with uh, the whole identity politics agenda and all oh, of yes. this it goes right through but public school too what do you think of the the, the sort of growing Discussion I hear here and there of the need for homeschooling. Do you think that that is? Uh... Oh well, I think um, there is
1: great hostility in British government towards homeschooling, oh, yeah. and the the, the recent Badman report, for instance, which Michael Gove commissioned, uh, was was a menace to it. But part of the problem with homeschooling is it's, the whole phrase has taken on a completely different meaning mm. since the shutdown. Mm. when so many people attempted some sort of education for their children at home and that's what people think of as homeschooling. The idea of, of it um, as it was before then is, uh, has been obscured by that. Mm. Also there's an awful lot of children excluded from school mm. uh, who n- might now be, be being classified as being homeschooled. Uh, it's it's very different from the United States, where it's largely an evangelical Protestant movement, but it, it's been enormously successful. The huge numbers of most of the states permitted huge numbers of children are, are are homeschooled and they claim some of the best scholarships at Ivy League universities. the, the levels of, of success in education are very high and there are there are homeschool programs attainable from the USA about that because of course they're they're designed for the American system, mm. which for instance doesn't have a levels mm. uh, mm has SATs for entry to universities but it has not been a failure and it's won a very strong legal position through very serious and devoted campaigning it's a much bigger things that have been here uh, it's, some people may say well they much like evangelical Protestantism well not everybody does but it, they happen to be the people who, who were keenest on it because it, they felt that their, their attitude towards life was the one being most excluded from the American public mm. schools it's a fascinating thing though I mean, it was uh, it, it was really getting going when I was living there, which is why I know a bit about it. Mm. I think, uh, but I don't. Th- I don't think. It, I do- I don't think it's in the nature of this country. I don't think no. that you need you need a, the sort of uh, rebel spirit that you can find in certain levels of American society, which we don't seem to have, mm. to really establish a powerful homeschooling movement, which does challenge the uh, the schools in general. I don't
0: see it happening here. Do you still see yourself as being Britain's obituaryist? I do. Mm-hmm. In fact, very kindly,
1: one of my, I've I kept. I, I've often said to my publishers that all my books should be put into one huge black Dominic Sandbrook, block sized uh, compendium.
0: I've got one here.
1: Yeah, they're all enormous. I want I want an enormous book you know, with a black cover with the obituary of Britain uh, on the cover. And one of my one of my loyal readers actually went and got this done and has sent me. Mm. A rather fine, but a wholly unique copy of the obituary of Britain, which I possess. But yeah, that's what I have
0: I am the obituary to Britain. But would you say, this is being a bit fanciful maybe, but if it does come to pass that maybe Scotland and Wales go and all the rest of it and we're left with England, that might be a different proposition. Well, right? It might
1: be. It would certainly, it would certainly be a, a, like that moment when the central heating goes off. Yeah. And you suddenly and you can't switch it on again. You suddenly realise life is different. Yes. I think it will be. A, would if it happens. And remember, Northern Ireland is quite likely to go as well. It's the truncation mm-hmm. of of England back to its self, will be a pretty. Uh, Bracing blast, mm. but whether there'll be anybody equipped to take advantage of it from a conservative point of view, I don't know. Where are the institutions? Where are the people? Mm.
0: Where is the learning mm. which would make that possible? Do you think of yourself as English or British? You, well, actually, I'm Cornish. Cor- oh, okay. <laughs> so I have silly to, me. I have to be British, really.
1: <laughs> silly me. It's just one thing. No, 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 it's, it's, it's Hitchens, it's a Cornish name. Okay. I mean, it would be so much nicer if it were one of those romantic Poldark-type yes, Cornish names, like no. Trevithick or, 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 or Trelawney, but it's Hitchens. Uh, but it is a Cornish name. I mean, right. in the days when we still had phone directories, the one part of England where you could find more than two Hitchenses in the phone book was Cornwall. Oh, okay. It's the Cornish version of Dickens. It means Richard's son, but it is, it is a Cornish name. So it's nothing to do with that rather unpleasant,
0: sorry, town in Hertfordshire. Right. Okay. Well, I think that you've sidestepped my question there a bit. But anyway. <laughs> oh
1: no, I'm not. I can't. I have to. I have to be British. But I mean, obviously, you know, Cornwall is is, yeah. is 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 doesn't have the same sort of separate existence as
0: Scotland and Wales. So I'm English. Give it before, time before I am. Yeah. But who knows? Yes. Yeah. Well, look, it's been great talking to you. Peter. I c- can you stay with us because uh, for our exclusive members, uh, we basically have a, just a few more questions to ask you, um, but. Anyway, thank you for this part of the interview anyway. And I'll be here in the other part too. Yes, Um, that's all we have for this week on. So what you're saying is uh, we should look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you very much. Hello, if you're enjoying the New Culture Forum channel and you believe in our mission, may I invite you to join our membership scheme at the link below or on our website, newcultureforum.org.uk. Our work is more important now than ever, and we have great plans ahead for the future, but we can't do it without your support. From as little as three pounds per month, you can help ensure that we continue on our mission. As a member, you'll receive a range of benefits, including access to exclusive content, invitations to our private events, including here at our studios, free copies of our books, and much, much more, including, of course, our famous NCF mug. If you aren't able to become a member then please help us by clicking this button and subscribing to our channel. It's completely free, just remember to also click the bell icon so that you can get notifications when we post new videos. Thank you.